this atmosphere, God. It is your spirit that we invite in. It is your spirit that we welcome. And God, we tell you that we love you. I keep being reminded of childlike faith this morning and watching, watching DJ stand up here at the altar. And, and in his mind, the only thing that mattered right now was that current moment. And that is what we need to get back to. We don't need to worry about yesterday or tomorrow. We need to stand that right now we are in the faith of worship. And that is the only heart at this moment that matters. God, fill this atmosphere with your love, with your grace, with your mercy, your joy. We just tell you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Give our, our worship team a round of applause. We, we do. We, we love you guys, and we, we greatly appreciate the hard work that you guys put in and, and what you do for us. And you really do bring an atmosphere of worship, and we thank you for that. Um, Seth, can you turn some lights on for me? The enemy, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and we're going to stand today and say, in the name of Jesus, you have no place here today with us. Never, never fails. I, I go to bed on Saturday nights expecting for things to happen on Sunday morning to stop me from walking forward in faith. No, I woke, woke up this morning with a, a stiff neck, um, so it may look like I got a board strapped to me, and uh, my voice is cracking because yesterday was the, the first day of peewee football season, the first game, and um, my, my voice is just destroyed from, from screaming and joy for the kids. So I may crack a little bit as I'm speaking. So I want to... I want to talk to you guys today about something, and I've, I have a unique title for this message, and it's called The Big R. So this is, I, I label it that because it's a word that a lot of people don't want to say sometimes or, or don't want to hear, and it's repent. I, I felt some people's hearts kind of get cut as soon as I said the word, um, but it's something we definitely need to talk about. It really is. It really is. Let's go ahead and pray and ask for God's grace inside of the service. Father God, we tell you that we love you. We tell you that we thank you for the heart that you have given us. God, we, we ask for your, your consuming spirit to come upon all of us and allow us to hear what it is that you want us to hear. Allow us to receive what it is that you're giving to us. God, as always, this, let this be 100% of you, zero of me. God, I ask for your, for your spirit to use me as your mouthpiece and speak to the ones that, that we are speaking to, whether online or here in the house, God. We know that it is your spirit that leads this, and we just invite it into there. God, we tell you that we love you, and we, just, we, we love you for your word, the word that you have given us, and help us to live by that word, Father God. In your name we pray. Jesus' name, amen, amen. Exciting morning, exciting morning. 
So like I said, I've entitled this the big R, and I, I made it as a, a big red R to, to, to make you guys kind of stop and think about it while we're here. Um, the verse that, that came to me that, that brought this, and it, it really it, it hit me hard, it's in uh, Mark uh, chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, and it reads, Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Anybody else just love Jesus? I mean, you guys love, like, really, God, it, it is just amazing of, of how much he loves us and the, the all-consuming spirit. And I, I love it when God speaks to me. You know, he's given us our, his word, but it's, it's, it's always so cool when you're reading through something and it just hits you differently. You've read that verse a hundred times, and then there's just those times where you're like, oh, I didn't see that. Thank you, God. Thank you. So I want to give you a little backstory leading up to this. And, and most of you probably know this. But John the, John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus and, and began preaching his message. And it, Jesus comes to John the Baptist and baptizes Jesus. The, the heavens are open. The Holy Spirit descends on him. And it, it is said, this is, this is my, my beloved son. But directly after that, Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. He fasts during that time. He's tempted by the enemy. And, and Jesus uses God's word to say, not today, Satan. Not today. It is written, and that's what I will live by. It is written, and that is what I will follow. And that's what defeats the enemy. It is God's word that defeats the enemy. It's not our self-will. It's not our own power. It's not our works. It's not our deeds. It's none of that. It is God's word itself that defeats the enemy. It is by the blood and the testimony. That testimony is God's word. So that brings us up to, to this. So, and I, I think it's so cool that how Jesus, when he comes out of the wilderness, he doesn't do what a lot of, of man does. He doesn't sit there and say, I just completed 40 days. I just did a fast. I defeated the enemy. No. No, he begins to teach, and the first thing that he teaches is believe and repent. Believe and repent. It's, it's re-emphasized to us, and it's, it's speaking of the same in Mark 4, 16 through 17. And this is, is Jesus using past prophecy and current situation. And he says, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what that is, that's a, the, the first verse there, 16. That's a verse out of Isaiah. It is, it is a prophecy that, that was given. And he said, the people who sat in darkness... These, these are everybody from the Gentiles to the Jews to, to their sacrifices. They were, they were sitting in darkness. And Jesus begins to, to proclaim. He says, the light has dawned. 
He's telling you that the light is here. You know, dawn is that very brief moment where the sun comes over the horizon and begins to shine. And Jesus was saying that right at that time. I am the light and it is my time to shine. I have, I have overcome the darkness, and you now get to see the light of day. But he teaches that that first thing, from that time, from that very moment that the light began to shine of his ministry, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he's, he's letting them know that, that it's right here. At hand means it's right here, it's standing right in front of you, it's accessible to you, and it is beginning right now. So we have a, and I've noticed this, you know, really, really hard over the last, you know, two weeks or so, that uh, the word repent, I think we have kind of a, a miscued look upon or, or what it means. So wanna, first thing I want to do is I want to break that word down for you. And I hope that I pronounce this correctly. I've been trying to do it for almost two weeks now of saying this word repeatedly and repeatedly. Metanonio, and it, it, it comes from a Greek word that actually has two parts. And translated into English, it is repent. So the two parts, the first prefix of it is meta, which is a prefix that regularly means movement or change. So it is, it is a verb. It is a physical action with inside of your life. I love this altar. I have cried out on this altar many times in my life. I've cried out at multiple altars within my life. I've, I've cried out at my bedside. But that's not repentance. That is confession. And we really have to get back to the understanding that repentance and confession are two different things. So it means, like I said, the, the first prefix is, is movement or change. That's not standing in your sin and just saying, I'm sorry for it. I'm sorry for it. God, this sin is here. I'm sorry for it. No, movement. I have to step out of it. I have to turn and I have to walk towards what is there. It says repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So, so you're repenting by moving from it and looking to the kingdom of God and walking towards it. The, the second part of this word, metanonio, and it refers to the mind and its thoughts, perceptions, deceptions, and purpose. So if you take those two meanings and put them together, it means movement and change of your thoughts. Movement and change of your perception, movement and change of your dispositions, and movement and change of your purpose. With your purpose, it's, it's important to realize that when you're stuck in your sins, when you're standing there and looking at it, your purpose is to be worldly. When you take on a, a heart and mind of repentance, your purpose becomes a child of God. And that is what we need to see. Your, your perception, how I see things. So not just in your walking out of it, you need to see that it's different. You need to be able to say, that, that was I, now that's dead, 
and I'm moving from it. The perception of I live in sin is a wrong perception. The perception of I am a child of God and I am forgiven for that when I walk away from it. But you can't be forgiven for it if you continually live inside of it. Too many times we want to do that. So, there's something that I don't want you to get confused. And I I said that there's a difference between repentance and confession. I don't want you to sit here and think that I am saying you don't need to confess. You absolutely do. And it's it's very clear to us about that. In James 5.16, it says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So, again, I don't want you to get it confused that I'm not saying to not confess. There, there, is, there is something powerful in, in confessing and having someone pray for you and also receiving a mentor in your life. You can't learn something unless somebody shows you. So it is important, but I need you to understand that, that coming to an altar or, or besides your bed or wherever it may be that you, you profess with your mouth, I have sinned and I'm sorry for it. God, I know you have grace over top of my life, and there is grace. There is. I believe wholeheartedly in the prosperity message. I believe wholeheartedly in, in, the, in the power of forgiveness in that, that, that God has grace over top of our life. But are you truly sorry for it if you continue to do it? If, if I kick you in the shin, yes, it, it hurts you. I can apologize for it. But if next time I see you, I kick you in the shin again, was I really sorry that I did it the first time? And I've had so many people in, in the, the, the recent past here that, that have started talking with me, and they, they call me up and they say, you know, this is going on in my life. I'm having this issue or this problem. And, uh, you know, we talk about it for a little while, and uh, we, we come up with some, some suggestions and things that they need to change inside of their life. And be darned if three days later they don't call me back and say, hey, I had that problem again. I, I ended up getting drunk again. I said, so, so what did you do about it? Well, I was at the bar. Well, no wonder you got drunk again. You kept putting yourself in the situation that was causing you to have that sin. That is not repentance. That's your own self-will living that way. Now, another issue that we have with with the confession side of it is our self-will inside of it is I I have an issue and I already have my mind set up of of what I need to do about it. So so I confess it to Jen and she she gives me an answer that that I don't want to hear that wasn't aligned with what what my own self-will was to take care of it. So so what do I do? I come over here and I, I talk to Curtis about it. And I'm like, Curtis, like here's my problem. Here's what's going on. And Curtis says something again that didn't align with my self-will of how I wanted to handle the situation. So what do I do? I go to Jared. Well, Jared finally says what I wanted to hear. So what do I do? Oh, I accept Jared's information. We seek out a mentor that's going to align with our own self-will. God's clear about this. In 
in Proverbs. He, he says it in multiple places, but I'm going to use these two out of Proverbs to talk to you about it for a second. And in Proverbs uh, 11, 14, it says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now, you're kind of thinking maybe that that, that contradicts what I was saying, uh, the multitude of counselors. But it, it really doesn't because you do need more than one counselor because all of us sit in different places. All of us, our repentance is going to look completely different. Our paths look completely different. The best way I can describe that is if I'm, if I'm struggling with something that I did while I was in Iraq or, or in my addiction, nine out of ten times I don't go to Fred for that type of information. Why? Because Fred never, never dealt with those specific issues. He never came out of those issues. But now if I'm having trouble inside of my marriage and I, I'm, not, I'm not living up to the standard of loving my wife like Jesus loved the church, loves the church, excuse me, it's not past tense, it's present tense, then, I, then I'm going to go to Fred. Why? Because, because I see that he has a godly marriage. I see that he has a longevity. What I don't want to do in my marriage is, is go to somebody that, that has a track record of seven wives and is now on their 13th girlfriend after their seventh marriage. And, and that, that is not the person that I, that I want to sow into my life of my marriage in any way, shape, or form. When you confess, when you're working on that section of it and receiving a mentor, you need to have somebody that will tell you the truth, not what your self-will is, not what you want to hear. We don't have hope home leaders and people that sow into our hope homes of someone who has never walked in those situations. Can you give somebody good advice if you haven't walked through that situation? Yes, yes by the leading of the Spirit, but not in your self-will. Also, with confession, you got uh, Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. If you're seeing it in your own eyes, your own way, your own path, and it keeps failing, that's the, the, the definition of a fool. If you're seeking out someone who, who's just going to co-sign what you want to hear, that's the definition of a fool. But he who heeds counsel is wise. And from what I understand of looking at that word heeds, it's, it's actually hears, actually obeys, actually listens to. Because you can confess all day long. You can, like I said, you can come to this altar and you can confess. You can go to a person and you can confess. But if you don't hear what is being said to you, one, by the person who's talking to you, but most importantly, of what this right here says to you, if you don't obey what is being said to you and you don't implement it into your life, there's no purpose. You're wasting your time and you're wasting the person who's talking to you. So I also want, I didn't put it in here, but it hit me this morning. Um, in James 5, 19, it says, Brothers, if any one of you strays from the truth, and someone corrects you, let him know that he, has, that he who converts the sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The prayers of a righteous person, the leadership in your life of a righteous person is something that can, can work amazingly for you. 
And it, but it says in there, when someone corrects him, this is where we have a problem of we don't want to receive correction. And repentance is correction. It's painful. It's not, it's not what you want to hear. It's not what your self-will wants you to do. It's not what your flesh desires. Repentance is stepping out of your comfort zone. Because in your sin, it's comfortable. It is comfortable. It was easy for me to live a self-will life. It was easy for me to run to the bottle. It was easy for me to stick a needle in my arm. What was hard was saying, God, I want you. And turning my back on all that stuff, all those people that I thought were friends, all those, all those people that I thought were good for me, and walking away from that with one destination. And I said that your repentance is not the same as anybody else's. And the, the best way that, that I can describe what I mean there, everybody came to church today, but none of you got here the same way. Repentance in our life is the same. We all are walking different paths. Everybody who sits here today is going to receive what's being said in a different way. But we're all headed to the same thing. And that's why it's important, I said, to, to look at your repentance. Your repentance is not going to look the same as mine. When, when I'm walking away from something, I'm walking away from something totally different than you are. Evidentiary proof of your repentance. There should be fruit from it. It should be noticeable to the people that are seeing you. But most importantly, it should be noticeable to God. The difference between confession and repentance. I sit in my sin. God, I'm sorry for this. God, I'm sorry for this. But I'm still sitting in my sin. When there's repentance, here's what everybody around you gets to see. There is evidentiary proof that my life has changed and I am sitting in a new spot. There is distance. There is distance between me and that sin. You guys ever heard the, the windshield thing with repentance? That's the, uh, there's a reason that the windshield's so big and the rearview mirror is so small. Because you should see greatly where you're headed to. And as you get farther away from it, it gets smaller and smaller and smaller in that rearview mirror to eventually where you can't see it. Um, when I first came back to City Reach Cumberland, I met somebody here that, looking at them, I seen a pastor's wife. I seen somebody who's done good in their life and that. And I didn't know nothing else about them for several months of being back until I heard them give their testimony one day. And they told me how they used to be a heroin addict and they was running the streets, and they was prostituting and doing all that kind of crazy stuff. If you have true repentance in your life, 
someone who doesn't know you previous to your repentance shouldn't be able to see that in your life. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. God doesn't want robotical people. If God wanted us to be robotical people, the day that he created Adam, he wouldn't have gave him the little thing called self-will. He'd have just made him this, this perfect creation that, that never even had the thought of sinning. He could take, he could make millions of uh, millions upon millions of people that can do it perfectly. I mean, he gave us Jesus. That's, that's proof enough that he can create the perfect person who can resist sin. But that's not what God wants. See, God has a thing that, that it's just like sick people need a hospital, not healthy people. Sinners need Jesus. We have to have a self-willed choice of repentance. Otherwise, it has no meaning to it. Fruits. Bear fruits. Where did I want to go? Within, within your repentance, I want you guys to, to think about this. And it, you only have a certain amount of time. As much as you guys do not want me to say it or you don't want to hear it, you're going to die. There is going to come a day that you're going to die. Or have you changed your life previous to that? That's my question for you right now. It, it hit me kind of hard. I have a situation going on with my oldest son right now. And he, I only had an 18-year window to raise him up and train him properly to go in the right direction, to become a man. I'm out of time now. When he hit that 18, he's on his own. He has his own choice. He has his own will. It is the same with our, with our Christian walk. And, and the verse that, that I'm about to read to you, which is, is Luke 3, 9, it says, Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, I know that that word laid to the roots there means that it's, that it's physically hitting it the way it's using it. But I want you guys to, to picture yourselves as trees. There is an axe laying beside your tree. There's going to be a lumberjack eventually come by and cut you down as far as your mortal life is concerned, your life here on earth. There's going to be a, a day that that tree is done. What type of fruit is your tree bearing in the time frame that it has here on the earth? Can you have a bad branch in your life and still be a good tree? Absolutely. But if you do not tend to that branch 
that branch will consume you. It will create a rock in your life that will continue to flow through the entire tree. Are you, are you at a place in your life where if your tree was cut down right now, where would it, would it, would it drop seedlings as it was falling to, to flourish into other trees? Or would it just be cut down and burnt? That's a scary thought that, that you, you, you have to get it right before a certain amount of time. Now listen, there is grace over top of your life. Again, I wholeheartedly believe in grace. Grace, though, does not, does not cure the problem. Your, your repentance and your love and your belief cures the problem. Grace is the, it says that once you turn and walk away from it, I don't have to worry about that. Grace uh, is not a message that says you're good just sitting in your sin and continue to live what you're doing. Grace, grace doesn't help you until you step out of the bubble and into, and into God's love. Now, I told you that childlike faith. I love it. Grace and repentance. So God is, God is clear. I was telling you that, that we all came in, in different paths. We all got there in different ways, but we're headed to the same thing. And I, I believe that Jesus explains that to us here in a section of Luke. Because he, he's, he's referring to different people. It starts in Luke 3.11. It says, he answered and said to them. This is, this is people asking. This is the people that, that are around him asking him questions. And he says, he answered them. He who has two tunics, let him give to who, who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Then the tax collector also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than what is appointed for you. Likewise, the soldier asked him, saying, what shall we do? So he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. Jesus is giving us a, a prime example that we all sit in different places for our repentance and that we all must operate and do it a different way. Now, again, repentance is walking away from it. That's the same for all of us, that you have to turn and walk away from the sin. But we all don't stand in the same sin and in the same life. We all have to walk away from it differently. Your repentance will not look like my repentance. We all will end in the same place, but getting there will not be the same. So I mentioned grace and that while we're, while we're sitting in our sin and, and we're, we're not doing our repentance, we're, we're saying, well, I got grace. I got grace. I'm good. I, I can continue to do this. I got grace. I got time. God's clear that, that he says in, in Romans 6, starting in verse 1, he says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin? Excuse me. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. 
It's unacceptable. And God says, he says, certainly not shall you do this. You need repentance in that situation. He says, how shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? Repentance is, is, the, is the first of the baptisms of, of re- receiving. And when you receive that, you need to step out of it. If you come to God and you just say, I, I've got grace so I can continue to do this, you must ask yourself whether you truly received the first baptism of salvation. Because there's evidentiary proof of that salvation. Or do you not know that as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we, are, we also should walk in the newness of life. Say that last part there again. Walk in the newness of life. I told you that repentance is an action. It's a verb. Notice he emphasizes again, walk in the newness of life. It doesn't say, stand in my grace of inside of your same sin. It is an action. You must put in the work. Now, again, we are, we are not saved by our actions. We are saved by grace. But we must walk in the newness of life. So, Jesus, I I love how how bluntly clear he is sometimes to us, to, to get us to understand something. He says in Luke 13, he says, About this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. And he's asked, Do you think that those Galileans were worse sinner than the others from Galilee? Jesus asked, is that why they suffered? And he's very clear here. Not at all. You will perish too unless you repent. Unless you repent. I I don't know how much clearer it can be put to us that, and he says after that, "of, of your sins and turn to God. I don't know how much clearer he can be about the, the word repent. That you're standing in it, you're looking at it, you need to turn and look differently. But he's, he's very clear, of, like I said, about your tree will be eventually cut down. Without repentance, you will perish too. That's a, that's a sobering thought. I, I know that, that on the day that, that my tree is cut down, on the day that, that, I, that, I, that I perish from this life that I live right now, I want to hear the words, good job, my young and faithful servant. It, it literally scares the hell out of me to hear the words, depart from me, for I do not know you. You can, you can cry out as much as you want. You can, you can speak all the Christianese that you want. But until the day you have a repentant heart, and turn to God, there's no chance. He goes on to say, 
And what about the 18 people who died when the Tower of Silamoth, incorrect pronunciation, but you guys get where I'm going, fell on them? Were they worst sinners in Jerusalem? Worst sinners in Jerusalem? No. I tell you again, unless you repent, you will perish too. If you guys hear nothing else today, hear that part of repent or you will perish too. You, you've got to get to a place. I, again, I love the prosperity message. I love the grace message, and it's very much real. But, but grace doesn't step in until the day that you receive God in your heart, that you repent of the wicked ways that you live and walk forwards. In Luke 24, 46, God sums up this, this whole thing. And I told you that the first message that he gave was repent. If you're a parent, you will understand what I'm saying right here. If you're leaving for the night, the thing that you want to, your kid to do the most, you tell them first, and then you do what? You reiterate it at the last. No parties. Is the way we start off. The next one, when we're getting ready to walk out the door right before I close it, I look at Landon and I say, no parties. <laughs> Parents understand completely what I'm saying. But Jesus is the, is the greatest daddy here because he does it again. He starts with repent and turn to the kingdom of God. And he says it again. He says, Then he said to them, Thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. That is the grace. That is the salvation. That is the love. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Absolutely, he's talking about the Holy Spirit of them, of the outpouring of it. They've already received it once when he breathed on them. But he's reiterating, repent, repent, repent. We can't say that word enough. And we need to get back to the basics of it. We make Christianity too complicated, and we make it too much of this, this saving. Oh, it's all about grace. Again, you can't work for it. You can receive it. But there will be fruit of you receiving it. The faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. The faith of a mustard seed in Jesus can move your heart. And we need, to, we need to receive that. We need to repent. So, I want to ask you guys, where is your heart? Again, I love, I love the altar, and I believe that we need to cry out. But as, as you think about this message, I want you to think about what is it I need to remove from my life? What is it that I need to walk away from? Go ahead, Curtis. Maybe, maybe you've never in your life thought about walking away from anything. If I can get you guys to stand with me.
I don't want to, I'm not going to do a specific altar call. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. You know who you are. You know what's on your mind. And you know where you need to repent in your life. And I'm not just talking about speaking. You know what you need to do. Let's pray for it. Father God, we just thank you that you have given us grace. We thank you that Jesus has died on the cross to be our sacrifice and our offering for the sins that we have committed. But God, I ask for a heart of repentance in all of us. God, if it is not of you, make it clear to us to remove it from our life. God, we plead that that we have a heart to love you, follow you, and walk the path that you have given to us. God, I ask that, that your word be constantly on our hearts and our minds. And God, if there, if there is someone here that has never had the seed of you planted in their life, today is the day, God. Their hearts are open soil. Hear their, hear their cries for you. And allow that seed to be watered inside of their heart and grow and bear the fruit that you are growing inside of them. God, we thank you for today. We continue to believe in your healing powers. We continue to, to thank you that you, you will heal our healing. God, we just tell you that we love you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.